Welcome to another episode of the Crunch Bunch Podcast. I'm your host, Al the Professor Maynard. The Crunch Bunch is a production of Uncommon Media and powered by Goss Dodge Chrysler Ram Jeep on Shelburne Road, South Burlington, Vermont, the number one Ram dealer in New England. Check out their selection today in person or online and tell them the Crunch Bunch sent you. If you'd like to hear more about how this crazy Crunch Bunch venture came to be, check out episode 20 on the Uncommon Beats podcast. While you're there, enjoy the rest of the amazing conversations our friends Tom and Justin have put together for you. Now, to introduce today's guest, it's going to be difficult. You're going to know who it is, obviously, because he's awesome. But the reason it's difficult is because he wears so many hats, it makes it impossible to actually really introduce him well. So I'm going to ask him to fill in many of the blanks that I'm sure I'm going to leave on the table. Troy. Green Lantern Kingsbury has multiple wins in the street stock division at Thunder Road and is the 2011 winner of the Eddie Carroll Memorial Sportsmanship Award. A true competitor, a fan favorite, and a gentleman racer, Troy has always put the needs of others first, including the originator of the Race to Read program, uh, among other things. And so um, I've been hounded by your fans to get you on the program and so I'm delighted to finally pin you down so we can chat. It wasn't easy because you are a busy man. Um, so Troy, real general, how are you doing and what's new? What's going on? Oh my god. Um, so super busy. Hmm. Uh, like 52 years old this year so it's just like I, I don't know how I was ever able to race because <laughs> as busy as my life is now, like it was probably even busier back when I was 39. That's why my car was number 39. That's when I started racing. Oh, nice. Um, That's yeah. So, so just, yeah, busy. Uh, my son has spina bifida. He got me into racing because, you know, as a good dad, I had a big plan for my son because I thought when he's a teenager, he's going to have to do a sport hmm. and he couldn't run to play Little League. We've tried that. That didn't end well. He couldn't um, do soccer because of the braces that he wears. But I was like, I got him on a riding lawnmower, and that kid could mow. So I was <laughs> like, if you can mow, you can race. Uh, little did I know how hard it is racing. So, yeah, it's just really busy. So we do sled hockey. Uh, after the racing was done, because he didn't get there, uh, I joined him, and we do a sled hockey game. Um, and that is for people with all abilities. We play a lot of veterans that have served overseas that have mm-hmm. had catastrophic injuries or, like, uh, a bunch of local guys that have had other injuries or people born with dif- uh, with disabilities. And uh, we go all over the country and play this sled hockey. So that's, that's what I'm up to. So tell me more about the sled hockey because I know I, I see the smile on your face. Our listeners can't see it, yeah. But and I know that it's been a really important part of your life um, uh, with all the different cogs of the wheel that make your life go. Uh, this has to be one of the most fulfilling. And so tell us a little bit more because I think yeah. you've had leadership roles and you've really spread it around yeah. not just the state of Vermont but beyond. And so with your fingerprint on things, it always gets bigger <laughs> and better. So well. just don't be humble and tell us a little bit more about it. So we we, we started with a Burlington team. Uh, we wanted to grow the sport, so we split off and created a Central Vermont team. Um, and the, the most rewarding thing is going to schools, doing a little presentation about every child should be able to play sports and then talking about sports and everybody's like yeah it's awesome and then finding a person in a wheelchair or a walker that can't play but they could play with us and so the nice thing about it is the this sport is a lifetime opportunity Mm. it's just not for school age like high school great glory years Mm. i mean we we play against uh, a canton new york team by by fort drum they're a bunch of veterans 
Gunner is, uh, I think, in his 70s. And if you don't watch where you're going, he'll smack the heck out of you. So, like, I mean, it's it's awesome. And just to see everybody compete uh, as hard as they can, um, you know, it's it's a great team sport. And it's great for just building a community. That's awesome. And as an athletic trainer, and um, I, I have friends that work with... Um, with the Olympics and the Paralympics and the Paralympic rugby team and how how like violent that can be with oh, their, yeah that's, those guys are that's on another level. I mean, they had the movie called Murder Ball, right? And yeah. So, um, knowing some of the sports medicine side of that and how aggressive these people can be, it's it's really fascinating and it's really awesome to see, um, like you said, people of all different abilities being able to do something. So, yeah, um, yeah, super cool. Um, so the next section of what we want to talk about is. The uh, quick hitters. We like to keep it simple and soft on the way in on this stuff. Um, we'll certainly talk about racing later, but um, we like to get out on our guests. And this is a great place to do it with a few uh, quick hitters. So here we go with right. the berry tile quick hitters. Favorite food? A perfectly cooked egg. Oh, what's perfectly <clears throat> cooked for you then? Man, if you had an uh, egg over easy and it's not, it's just white and the egg yolk is just cooked just like to a medium so you can still dip your toast into it. Oh, man. Yeah, a little salt and pepper, but it's like a white. I mean, that's going to be key. It can't be like a little skin on the egg. It's got to be perfectly cooked. Because the slime part's no good. Right. No, you, you got want perfectly the slime. Good. But you so want... we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to just take that egg over easy. on a clean griddle, flip it over nice and easy. Mm-hmm. It's all Don't white. yolk. No. It's hard when you're trying to yeah. make it perfect over easy. Yeah. So when you're in a restaurant, do you over order over medium just so you don't get slime or do you take a chance with a chef sometimes i take a chance but you know you can tell right away egg comes out and it's got like it's all brown or something you're just like oh that's done this yolk is gonna be not dippable no or not enough dipping not okay um do you listen to music i listen to everything that's what most people say but i'm i'm jonesing right now on the piano guys it's a little classical music um and so um taking my race car History, because I had to learn everything. I wrecked all the time, so I got good at welding. I weld metal sculptures out of junk. So I go around and look at the scrapyards, and then I I basically have people dropping off horseshoes, old couch frames, I mean anything, and I'll make it into stuff. So that's like a lot of fun. So I'll use the uh, Piano Guy music just to chill out and like do that stuff. So, if you do, you have a favorite kind? I mean, you say you listen to all of it. Well, maybe like a favorite band or something like that. Oh, we just went Queen. We just went nice. to Barry and and saw the Queen tribute band uh, Gary Mullen, and that was solid. That was like nice. awesome. And and I guess it depends on the mood, you know. Like, there's t- my son likes country, and I was like, country. Like, we didn't listen to country growing up. Yeah. Um, uh, especially with him in the car, like it was all classic rocks, you know, from the eighties. And now he's a country kid, so, like, who knows? <laughs> so you just kind of never know. No, they never follow the plan. <laughs> so if you're on, a, like, a deserted island, like, what would you... They had, like, one CD I'll use, you know, for the old folks. It's compact disc, or one album, we'll call it, right? Because yeah. we're old enough to say album. Uh, one album, what would you pick? I think Eric Clapton. Ooh, okay. Well, I loved Eric Clapton when I was in college. Like the that... old Cream era yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, exactly. I get with that. We're, we're about the same age, so... Yeah. Um, I haven't hit 50 yet, but I'm closing in on her pretty oh, good. So I was so lucky. 50 happened during COVID. <laughs> no I, one knew. I, didn't, I just snuck past. There was no party. There was nothing. I was like, this is the best <laughs> present ever. Oh, that is great. Oh, my goodness. No fanfare, no nothing. No, just another day. Wonderful. Um, what's the what's the favorite your favorite place you've ever been? 
I went to Germany with my wife. Mm-hmm. My wife was in the military. Her dad was the Air Force. And we went to Bitburg, Germany. And it was fantastic. Um, we went to some uh, old castles around Munich mm-hmm. and just explored. Like, I'm a Vermont boy. I grew up in war and I was born in, born in Berlin, Vermont. And, like, you know, going to Burlington was the big city. Right. So, like, I haven't really traveled that much. Uh, we go to Maine once in a while, you know. Um, but, like, traveling overseas, that was, I, there's a whole other country out there for sure. <laughs> yeah, a whole other world. Keep going, right? Yeah. So what th- about a place that you'd like to go that you haven't been? Uh, I want to, you know, I want to go out west. I want to travel mm-hmm. to western U.S. states. Yeah. Um, I'd love to go to Alaska, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, just, but I want to explore our own country. I think there's so much that the United States has to offer um, that you can just gain a really big perspective of just everybody in our country mm. by traveling around. Yeah. So, retirement. <laughs> like, oh, you could retire from race car driving, but like yeah. owning a business is hard. So, finding that time to do that. I know, like, right. I, we've talked off air, but um, my parents owned a convenience store just like yours here, Village Grocery, which, by the way, is where we're recording uh, here in, in Troy's office. Um, and so, yeah, like getting away and doing stuff That's was hard. a hot commodity, really hard to make happen. Um, so, maybe. Maybe you've been thinking about these things, but like vision board and remember when you talk to Al in your office because <laughs> we gotta travel, we gotta do, we gotta live while we're alive, right? So right now it's uh, maybe I can get away early Friday and <laughs> come back late Sunday night, but that's about it because it's in the summertime. I'm the creamy guy. I'm the guy who fixes oh, the creamy machine yeah. and then stocking the beer shelves and like it's just everything else. There's just so much. Um, so for our little store, May through hunting season, through November is when we're really busy. Mm-hmm. And then in the winter, my wife works. So like, we're just on different schedules, but someday we'll get there. I hear you. Yeah. My wife's a music teacher and their break is always different than the UVM break. So we never can really jive and we always have sports going on and two kids are, you know, they're going to both be teenagers soon. And so, as you know, yep, that's a whole nother thing. Um, all right, the last of the quick hitters. So, front wheel drive or rear wheel drive? Rear wheel drive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, like why? Because, like, you just—it's—it's it's a totally better experience. Mm-hmm. Front wheel drive sucks. I mean, <laughs> you can't say it, man. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I hated those front wheel drive cars racing against them, but I thought rear wheel drive—that's when you're driving. You yeah. know, you're not going to just pull through a corner. You got to steer through it, mm. and so that's why I just think rear wheel drive forever. Forever. I love it. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, So, (laughs) some people are not as frank about that, knowing that, like, you know, that their fellow competitors are in front wheel drive cars, but now that you're kind of not driving. Yeah, I'm not driving. You say whatever the hell you want. I love it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Jen was kind of the same way. Um, Talking to Jen Getty last time, and she's (laughs) she's like, I don't know, rear wheel drive, of course. Also, she just, that's just happened to be the car that. They could buy at the time, so I didn't know right. that about it. So that's oh, kind of okay. neat that she's like, "Oh, this was one of the better cars, and it was available." So we bought it, not really knowing much about anything. So it was kind of cool. Kind of fell backwards into it. But we'll take it. Um, so we're going to talk a lot about racing, but uh, we've talked a little bit about work already, yep, um, and the other things you do. But like, what do you do with your spare time? I'm saying this tongue in cheek, but like, right. if you you know have time to play around, and maybe it's not sled hockey. Like, what other things do you have going on? So, let's see. There's all those little things. My hobbies are I make lamps and I make these little metal sculptures. And um, I'm lucky because 
there's people that just let me put them in different businesses and then they sell. And I don't even care what they sell for. I mean, it's, they make it up the price. So I do that. And then it's just, you know, my wife, we got a COVID garden and COVID chickens. You know, like when you're home doing nothing, we got six chickens and we got this huge garden that will... If I bought groceries, we'll never buy enough groceries to cover the cost of what that garden was. But it looks really good. So, And my wife's out there all the time. So, like, I go home and take care of the yard. And then that's, I mean, that's pretty simple. It's just a lot of work. And then hanging out with the kids. My, my daughter's 26. And then my son is, is going to be 21 this fall. Can't wait for that to happen. Because um, <laughs> Only because there's those end of the teenage years where dad's super stupid. And then, oh, sure. you know, there's a little bit of a gap where he's like, uh, and then all of a sudden he'll get to an age where he'll be like, oh my God, my dad was so smart. Like, right. how did he know these things? We didn't go through that at all, right? Oh, no. Never. No. I Never. <laughs> yeah. So my daughter, Dahlia, is just turned 17 this week. Oh, wow. So I'm still an idiot dad. Yeah, you totally. For now. But yeah. maybe someday. We yeah. can always shoot for the moon and, and hope that we, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I know one of the other things that I do want to talk about um, and celebrate, and I know that we have the anniversary of, which is Race to Read. Oh, that's ten year awesome. anniversary yeah. of Race to Read. That has to feel really cool. Like, yeah. can you maybe walk us through how it got started and yeah. some of that journey? Because, well, for a hundred and one reasons, but not the least of which is that it was just a cool time. I remember the Green Lantern car and dressing up and talking to kids, and I just admired it from at least a short distance. And then that is really cool. It's so and much what fun. you guys are doing is so amazing. And then being asked to be part of it at one point. So I, I, I think our listeners would really love to know kind of the nuts and bolts of how it got started, or maybe a couple of cool stories about how you kept it going, yeah. um, and how it's still going today, ten years later, and how many, how many kids and tens of thousands of books that have been read, and all that. It's just such an impact on the state so maybe like a history lesson on how it all got started I can, and, and you've already mentioned a person's name that kind of triggered it Jen Getty so I'm in the stands uh, I think it was 2007 2008 um, my son's up there we had a fresh air kid his name was Kobe he came up from Harlem in New York City and I was like well you gotta come to Thunder Road because that's like where it's at so we're up there and the kids are having a great time and then um, I think we just got done Little League and Jake got thrown out, hitting a ball to left field to get thrown out at first base because he can't run because he's got <laughs> braces, right? So I'm like, oh, man. So we're watching the stock car races and out pops Jen Getty. And I'm thinking she's like a girl. And then she only has one arm. And I'm like, holy smokes. She races so well. Auto racing can hide a person's disability. Mm. So then I was like, oh, my God, I got I to gotta figure out this auto racing thing so a little bit of disclosure when i was little Stormin norman andrews was my uncle uh, and uh, he, they lived like a quarter mile from our house so i'd go to uncle norm's and look at his race car and take an old school bus he'd have it in the back we'd go to thunder road go to the tower restaurant for pizza afterwards it was nice. awesome yeah. and so I didn't have any idea about the geometry of a car, the setup of a car, like motor, like nothing. I'm a store guy. Um, but I went and, and talked to um, a kid, bought his race car. Um, I ended up having my cousin, Tony Andrews, help me build a car. Um, and then uh, we just started really getting into it. And then it took a couple years for the whole idea to race to read. Originally, it was just racing to get Jake in the sport. And then, again, Jen Getty uh, was going for a champion's 
uh, Champion Spark Plug endorsement. It was one of those little. Oh, I remember that? that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and then everybody would go, and then and she made a video. And yeah. during that video, I saw this kid. I think it was his grandmother or his mother um, did a race three car down in like North Carolina. But it was for like honors kids. If they got honors, then they could sign the car. And I was like, well, that's like everybody should be able to do that. Hmm. So. Um, I emailed the kid and got a hold of him and said, hey, can I take the idea and bring it to Vermont? And he was like, yeah. yeah like, he didn't care. And so um, my wife was teaching at the time, which is saying, like, our own son struggled to read. And so I, I was, like, going to area schools thinking I could um, take the race car and do the race to read program. Well, at that time, like, we were wrecking all the time in the street stocks because it's a crunch bunch. It's a crunch bunch, So yeah. I decided I was going to take green – well. I wanted to get LED lights and put them underneath the wheels or by the, the frames. Um, so like when I wrecked, I didn't have to look for a flashlight because I knew I was going to wreck. <laughs> so I went to Tom Curley and I, went, I had to go like four or five times and I wanted to put lights on. He was like, you're not going to put lights on the car. I was like, listen. And I had finally bought the LED strip lights, went and showed them. And then he said, okay, you can do that. So I put the green. I, I was trying to figure out colors. I didn't want red because I didn't want people to think it was a fire. White was just lame. So I thought, oh, I'll just do green. And so um, that's how the lights came on the car. And so we're doing the race three program, got the lights on the car, and it was the night that Timmy Campbell wrecked on the front stretch during one of the summer races, and we had to go through the infield. Uh, and we had to go in there like for 10 minutes because this car was like destroyed. Mm. And so I flicked the switch on my LED lights just so I'd go through the infield. It was really dark, and the lights would really show. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, this would be awesome. And then that's when I think Michael Streisberg said, hey, it's the Green Lantern. And I, I didn't even know what that was. So then I'm like, all right. So I go and research the Green Lantern. And then I was like, oh, that's awesome. He's like a superhero. So that's why I went and bought a Halloween costume and then started going to the schools as the Green Lantern. And, and kids dug it. And, yeah. and, and basically when you go to the schools, you talk about all kids want to be race car drivers, especially when one rolls up during recess and they're unannounced. And then you get out of the car and you start talking about how important it is to have the safety equipment. And we all have one set of rules, but the kids that do their homework and read about how to make their car faster are the ones that are going to win. Mm-hmm. It's not just the one that just you know gets in the car and races. Mm-hmm. You got to do your homework because if you don't, if you break the rules, you don't want to win a trophy and then have to give it up because you're you know DQ'd. So mm-hmm. it's all about like doing that stuff. And That's I cool. tell you what, Al, going and and having like a school full of kids. Um, just come out and be like so happy. That's totally better than winning a race at Thunder Road. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. And so I remember getting a phone call. I think it was you and Ken in the car yeah. coming back from New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Yep. You'd secured a grant or something. Yep. New, New Hampshire Speedway Charities. Um, Ken and I went a couple different times and we got a couple different grants just to get money so that we could get like the shed at Thunder Road. So we're so fortunate. Thunder Road allows Race to Read to be based out of there. So Race to Read owns that little shed. Uh, has no affiliation with, with Thunder Road, but yet they're our home track. So they're really supportive of this program. And um, we're coming back. And what I realized was, um, sadly, my son wasn't into auto racing because he got into like all sorts of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but just about, I started to, when he was too young, I started when he was um, eight. And if I had waited till like maybe he was 10 or 12, he could have gotten the pits and that would have like hooked him. But mm. he didn't get in the pits. Dad's racing. Then they're off to the beach doing stuff. And I'm like, mm. why am I racing? So um, 
what I realized is if I stopped Race to Read, that was it, done. Mm. And so when I got done Race to Read, I wanted to really support that next driver. So that was like Kyle Streeter who helped during that time mm -hmm. and Cameron Olette. And then like they helped during the end of my racing. But then we thought, we got to find somebody else. And so that's why we thought, oh, I know a guy. Al Manor would be fantastic. So you were the, the Lanfear girls. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, just, yeah, that was an era, man. We we went out, and I mean, we went to so many schools. Um, and it was tough time of the year for me because it's the end of the semester. Right. Um, but even, you know, the Lamford girls are in high school. They're like, they're finding a way to get out of school to go to these things. I was like, I guess I should probably be able to get out of school too. So we did a bunch of engagements, and um, it was really cool. Like you said, there's nothing more fulfilling, really, than seeing the smile on kids' faces and answering their questions and um, reading to them. So we, went, we were in Barry at the library there, and I brought my daughter Dahlia along. Oh, getting started awesome. in carting. So yeah. we just got in her cart, um, and she had Race to Read on there. Um, Hillary helped us out with that. So Hillary Scott's kind of been involved. Now oh, she's coming she, back in, right? She, yeah, she's a, she's a savior. Yeah. So yeah. Having, you know, having that, we, yeah, that was so fun to then have my daughter into it. So I, I get the whole bringing your kid into the thing mm -hmm. and having them do something along with it it made it really cool and she was reading to kids and she wasn't that old then heck she was i don't think she was a teenager i think she's probably like 12 years old um getting into karting and so um yeah it's it's really a special thing to see and then being at the track yeah and talking to the kids there and signing autographs it's like you, <laughs> you're a rock you would, star yeah they would think that you are like dale earnhardt senior like what no the doubt. heck like the best all you had to do is have a fire suit <laughs> and you were like a god there totally it was so cool god. and the kids um what an awesome time, like, sitting, so, hanging out with them. So here's a question for you. What do you remember from your elementary school days? Do you have one memory? From elementary school? Yeah. Oh, goodness. I don't know, probably just sports and stuff. I don't really think about much other than sports. I, I was playing battle ball, and we had a pig pile, and my leg yeah. got broke. And then afterwards, I was in the cast. Everybody, me, everybody went into the field and brought me little strawberries. But I can tell you that all the kids that we saw during this race to read program is going to remember that day the race car showed up at yeah. school. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you cement that. And then they're going to be, it's about reading. And yeah. so we might not see the full fruit of those labors for a generation. Right. But when those kids get older, they're going to be like, oh, man, when I was little. So that's the cool part. Yeah. Well, making memories, that's what we always kind of joke about when we have thin time as a family right. to do stuff together. It's always, that's what we, it's kind of the joke, but it's the reality is like, hey, making memories. And sometimes you're like <laughs> fixing a flat tire and it's 100 degrees outside and it's a joke. But sometimes you're like sitting there looking at the mountains after a long hike, you know, and you're like making memories yeah. um, or whatever the case may be. So for my wife and I, when we go places, if it's really nice and we happen to get a nice picture, we put it in a, a file on our computer called Picks. So during our obit, no, like planning ahead, right? You go, someone passes away, they're looking through, and you're like, oh, these pictures are terrible. But if you had it all planned out through life, you'd be like, I remember, this is great. This oh is, put this at my funeral. That's it's so morbidly awesome. Yeah. That the best thing that's, your, that's the tip of the day here at the podcast. <laughs> have that folder ready. If you don't have an obit folder now, start one. Uh, yeah. Call it Green Lantern, and you'll know exactly what to do with it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So you talked a little bit about how you got into racing and how you got your number. Um, what What's the first thing you ever, it might not be even a race car or even a car, but what's the first thing you remember driving? Well, we had a little uh, Volkswagen. Oh, I remember this. So I got a Volkswagen. Um, 
and it was just a little hatchback. It was my monster car, and my cousin Tony helped me build, put a cage in it, and we and we we got it all set up. But we couldn't get it started mm-hmm. um, because they had the alarm system. So finally, I brought it over to a local shop, and the guy and I only paid like a couple hundred bucks for the car, and then all the roll cage and everything made a couple hundred dollars more. And then I brought it to the shop, so it needed a clutch. And again, I'm not mechanical at that point, and it, it, we needed to be able to start it without the alarm system. And so he did a clutch and got it to run, and it was like $900. I'm like, $900? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. I was like, I don't know how to do stuff. Oh, yeah, so, sure. But that wasn't my worst experience with the car. I then ended up, uh, after the, the Warrior days, and I had and we had to race Kevin Streeter. Remember Kevin Streeter in his I? little CRX? CRX? Which is what I have now. Yeah, oh, my CRX. God, that car. Oh, yeah. I hated it. Because yeah. he would like, start a lap down and still pass us. Yeah, they'd start him in the infield. I remember that one year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> start him in the infield, like Mike Martin and him and me yeah. and like uh, Chris Hodgson or something. They'd start us in the infield because we were like Killing it. too fast. So <laughs> started us like stopped. Yeah, I and just then everyone else is going, and we get Tom Tom Curley. We just I remember him say, "Don't shit up the show. Yes. It's for the fans. Don't go out and lead by four laps or something." Stink it up. Yep. Yeah. No doubt. So that was good. Um. So so I ended after the Warrior car. I went and bought a street stock. What'd you have for a Warrior car? That that little monster Volkswagen. So you had a Volkswagen. Yeah, for the Warrior car. Okay. Um. Yeah. And I, that was like we had to race Ken Chrisman. I yep. mean, all those guys are so good. Ken Chrisman, like Donnie Yates. He hated. He always won. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the Warriors, he knocked them up. Crushed it. Yeah. And that's why, because he had a Volkswagen too, and I thought, mm-hmm. oh, I should get one. Um, and then I jumped up to the uh, Mustang, and my first yeah. Mustang I bought, <laughs> I bought it right before my son's birthday, which is in September, so it was like near the end of the year, and it had a blown motor. Oh, and Phil DeMario came, and we, I was like, this sounds weird. And he was like, well, goddamn, yeah, the, the motor's blown. <laughs> so yeah. Phil DeMario, though, um, took... And helped me build a motor. So we went to Rick Pays. We had it machined out to fix it. And then we spent the entire winter. And that guy, Phil DeMario, would spend like just hours showing me everything specifically, how things are put together. Everything's lubricated. Like it was precise. And that was like the best racing motor I've ever had. Yeah. Um, ran that for years in the, in the well, it's a little plug for RPM which is nice that's up in our neck of the woods in, in Franklin it, County that guy knows what he's got going well, on well yeah I'm sure it wasn't $900 <laughs> on that no <laughs> no that was more but so, when you're in it then you're in it yeah also I'll plug RPM and Rick up on the hill in Georgia but we'll also take a swipe at him because I'm sure it was not $900 for that <laughs> yeah, but, you pay um, for your knowledge yeah no doubt and I mean that's kind of our lives right like as a professor I get that for sure yeah. knowledge is kind of a strong word when we're talking about me but um cool well okay so so you're racing you're doing all your stuff and we got you fold in the race to read but um it's probably hard having a long career and a lot of fun things that have happened along the way but what's your favorite racing memory oh i can tell you that one that was without a doubt Mm -hmm. um in october uh we would go to maine and get lobsters and it was always like columbus day weekend and it happened to be the year that we got rained out and so Thunder Road was Sunday after Columbus Day weekend. So Thursday, I drove to Maine. I picked up lobsters. I usually got like 800 of them. Bring them back to the store Friday morning because it's up and back overnight. And then we'd cook lobsters for everybody for lunch. And then the next day, I would kind of like, you know, just sell them off. And and I saved some, the lively ones, because we had to race that weekend. So I thought, you know, all the track officials, all those guys do so much. I want to bring them lobsters. 
So when I went, it was a milk bowl. I remember I, it. Yeah, and when I went there, I I parked. I got my fryer out. I didn't even worry about the car setup. I was like, we're going to have lobsters for lunch. And I just remember handing out all that stuff and then racing. And I think, I don't know, maybe I was so relaxed or whatever it was, but I ended up winning the milk bowl that year. And yeah. I was just like, well, I should have done that more often. Well. That is an awesome story, and I do remember that. And I also remember there was a slight buzz around, and, and it might have even started in our trailer, like, what the hell tricked out Cheater Motor did Troy put in that he had to buy lobsters to make it through town? <laughs> <laughs> like, are you kidding me? And then he actually goes out with the darn thing, which is awesome because you are such a fan favorite. Like, everybody um. loves Troy Kingsbury, and the Green Lantern is amazing, and everybody, I mean, kids are jumping up and down. It's that's pretty cool in and of itself. Yeah. But again, we started this conversation with like service to others, and I know you've been in the rotary, and the, you know, you name it. It's probably every animal, the elks, the moose, the everything. You probably <laughs> are in all of them. But like giving back, it doesn't surprise me. Um, and I do remember the lobsters. I'm like, man, who is he buttering up? No, no pun intended. Yeah. To try to make it through tech on this deal, but uh, but I think everyone cheered for you. I mean, even street stock guys were like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, just, I just think if you're having fun, then it, it just makes, makes it so much better. And even on the bad days. I mean, even on the bad days, <laughs> it was good. Yeah. yeah so, Sonny enough. was, Sonny, I remember the first time I had to go through tech and Sonny's telling me what to do. And I'm like, I mean, I don't have to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you learn quick. Oh, tell me about it. If I didn't have Eddie, companion, forget about it. Like, right. I couldn't do any of the stuff that they told me to do in tech. Uh, and he'd have it done in like ten seconds. Yeah. And he'd know exactly what tools to grab, and you know. So like having good folks around or or learning is like. Well, I mean, you're probably a lot like me in that it's fun because you got to learn things. Oh, absolutely. And um, you learned to weld through racing, and I now did. you have this kind of side gig that's probably very calming and centering experience, right? To do sculptures out of metal and stuff like that. But everybody in Vermont needs a little piece of junk in the yard. <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. Oh man. So, so what do you consider your biggest accomplishment in racing then? Oh, um, I'm going to have to say, well, two things. One is the Race to Read program. Mm. I mean, the fact that this is its 10th year and so many people have been involved with it, like yourself, um, the kids that we've uh, touched. Um, I, I, I've still had kids come up to me and be like, I remember you when you came to our school. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so thanks. Now I'm old. So, so it's just that, that, that's the part that I think I would I would still love to get a race car I'd be divorced but I'd love to get a race car just to do the race three part with visiting the kids because that's yeah. that's like the fun part um, yeah. and then um, I don't know I just I guess yeah I guess that's it <laughs> We well, said two things. So, well, the, I, the other part was just of all the people that you meet through racing, mm. um, that you, Thunder Road has its own unique community. Mm. I mean, there's people that will borrow new parts and bring you back junk, and, and like all these like like <laughs> selling me like, selling like, me a race car that had blown motor. I'm like, oh my god! But then there's other people that are up yeah. there that are just so amazing. Um, that will run you into the wall and then, you know, help you fix your car, push it back in your trailer and then help you fix it through the week, you mm -hmm. know? And then as upsetting as you can be, it's, it's, it's the learning, it's the, it's the community that's built around that track. I mean, it's, that, that is a Vermont institution that I'm just proud to be a part of. Yeah. Well, another accomplishment that I can think of is the Eddie Carroll Award. Oh, yeah. Because that's kind of a big one. And, and yeah. um, what was it like winning that? 
Uh, I didn't expect it. I mean, there are so many good people up there. I mean, that's just uh, anybody could have won that in, in our years of racing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was just being chosen uh, and knowing the history of Verdi Carroll. It's like wow, <laughs> it was uh, humbling. I yeah. think would be the word. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. But well, so I like to steal a couple of questions from Justin and Tom from the Uncommon Deeds podcast. And um, my favorite of Justin's is always, what's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a race car? The dumbest thing I've ever done in a race car. There are so many. Right. I've tried hitting that front stretch wall so many times, and it's always with a new rim and tire. Yes. Um, but I, I think it was during a warrior race, and Mark LaFleche, I think, was the oh, driver yeah. at the time. And I was like, the first time I was ever leading a race, and I was flying, and I didn't look ahead. And um, Mark was in the infield. He had thought that the track was clear, so he came up. Oh, and I'm leading the race. Sure. He came up to go to the pits, and I'm flying on the front stretch. And what I realized is, if I turn left, I'm going to hit Mark. So I had to go... Full bore down pit road. Oh, man, alive. <laughs> but I was leading the race. Yeah. My first race ever. And I was just like, oh my God, if if you they always said, look ahead. Just look ahead. If I had looked ahead, I would have seen him and I could have moved my car down. But Tom, I'm realizing what's happening. There goes the race. I was in the pits. People are like, what the hell did you go to the pits for? And I was like <laughs> To not die. <laughs> yeah, just to learn. Yeah. <laughs> learn what not to do. Yeah. So that's well, probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done. Oh man. Yeah, that's uh, it can be scary, <clears throat> especially early on. But I, oh yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, because they started you on the front when you were in the Warriors. Oh, new. yeah. Because they knew what the show was going to be like. Oh, we're going to put these guys that never done this they before always do that. on a pole. Yeah, that's what made Warriors so special and fun. Like that was that was always kind of cool that they did that. But it always made it a little bit hairy to have noobs up front. Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember Tommy Thunder coming up to me and said, "Pick a lane." I was like, "What are you talking? Like, pick a lane." One lane or the other. And I was like, well, I'm just driving. He's like, no, well, there's one lane here. There's one lane I'm up top. Pick a lane because if not, we're going to move you. <laughs> I was like, okay. Good advice. Yeah, you get it. You get advice uh, quick and dirty up there. like No doubt. Yeah. Well, and Tim Campbell and there's, yeah, I mean, you probably remember um, Dave Allen. There was a lot of guys oh, yeah. that just didn't have a whole oh, lot of patience and, and for you. David Whitcomb and Alex. Uh, Alex sure. and I used to take and go to Riverside and rent the track and spend just hours practicing. Mm-hmm. And I remember another race where he and I were up front. We're like one and two. And he decides that he's going to try to pass me on turn two. And somehow we both spin. We're in the front of the race. Like I was yeah. like, what are you? And he just came up to me afterwards. He says, I'm sorry. I just ran out of talent. <laughs> I was like, out of talent oh my god so yeah so all those um, boy memories are flying back now but yeah it's just a lot of fun (laughs) and that's yeah only in the street stocks would you really hear that happen and someone admit to it oh yeah (laughs) awesome oh man well the other question i like to steal is from tom um and his is who's your biggest rival oh and how'd that come to be rival doesn't have to be something I mean, you don't like, but no, like, no. Well, against her. I, I mean, I remember being in the top four in points one year, and it's always Tommy Thunder. He's been there for so long. I mean, you sure. just know he's coming, and so yeah, I think anybody who's in the street stocks, their biggest rival is Tommy Thunder, uh, just because you're trying to try to do the best you can. And 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 that's the thing. Once you get involved with points, and you're just not up there to race and have a good time. Once you're a points guy, I mean, 
my wife almost killed me. I was top four in points. My brother-in-law is going to get married 9, 10, 11. So that's his marriage. And it was Saturday. And on the ninth, or on the 8th, thir- Thursday night, we got rained out. Mm-hmm. So we had to go race Friday. So I'm up there racing. And I'm supposed to be the next morning in Moravia, New York, a six-hour drive. And I just remember going through the race because I was fourth in points. Mm-hmm. had to race. Then going home. Time to get home. It's about midnight. Getting up at 2, having my friend Logan Cook drive me to Albany so I can catch another ride by 5 to go to the wedding. And I arrive at the wedding like minutes before the ceremonies. And my wife was very <laughs> unimpressed. So... Um, yeah, I mean, so Logan is actually Logan's, useful and yeah, helpful. He's, yeah, he's Logan's huge, and and he was my pit guy. Like, yeah. I had one kid that was just my pit guy, which was Logan. And uh, well, I coached against him, like because he's coaching Stowe uh, basketball, and so I don't know if you knew that, but he's like JV coach up there, and so I didn't know. yeah. I, I had to pinch hit and JV coach the JV game because I think our JV coach had COVID or something like that. So yeah. got to beat him off the track too. And basketball <laughs> was kind of awesome. fun. So if Logan's listening, I'm sure he is. Yeah. Uh, rub that in a little bit. But um, so yeah, I get to see him more regularly than maybe than maybe you do anymore. So yeah. he's still around, still doing his thing. It, good, good, good. It's cool that you kind of you realize like Vermont is such a small town, and he, you do. <laughs> yeah, all everybody's related to him, and that's why you can yeah. never like. Um, you can always treat people with the respect because you never know where you're going to see them in another with another hat on. You know yeah. that's how I look at it too. Exactly. But but anyway, that's why Tommy Thunder I think is the biggest rival is because of the fact that uh, you always raced hard against him. He was always prepared. You mean uh, I might be busy through the store for a week and then maybe I have a chance to work on the car and Tommy would always be ready. So. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's why he was our first episode because he's got like a hundred billion wins in the darn division, and you know he's kind of the elder statesman of it um, for sure. And the fact that he's coming back again—I mean, he threatened retirement last couple of years and was certain of it last year, and then here he is again. So <laughs> I saw him that this, this this last weekend. It was pretty quiet, wild. Yeah. Oh man. So I think everybody has at least a rival or someone that they just ended up being door handle to door handle with just for some reason all the time and um those stories are usually pretty colorful but yeah thunder is always always going to be around yeah maybe forever um ladder system now i know like racing and you always kind of think of what's next or i need a new challenge did you you know you were successful did you think about moving up or thinking about tigers or any of that jazz i I did i mean so like if my family was on board uh the reason why i went to a mustang is because that's a real world drive car Mm -hmm. and all again out all of this was just so i could gain knowledge for setups so like when the boy was of age he'd Mm -hmm. go into racing and i would be their pit guy Yep. And so like I, and then and then it got a little selfish with the race three because that was really fun yeah. <laughs> of going to schools and stuff. So that kind of addicting to do that. But again, it's the like learn as much as I can so that I can help my kid when he's older. And then it was it was just the summer. Maybe he was fourteen, and my wife just was sick of racing, mm-hmm. and so she took him to the beach all the time. And then you're sitting up there in the pits going like, why am I here? And they're out fishing or on a boat or at a beach. Like that's not a good idea. So that's kind of what eroded my racing passion. But um, it was, yeah, I had totally planned to go to, you know, next progression of going up to the Tigers and learning that. But never got there. But it was a good run. I have no regrets. <laughs> yeah. I totally loved being every minute at Thunder Road. It was it was fantastic. And it, it's not just the um, 
I mean, it, it was the experience at the track. It was the smells. It was the frustrations. It was the friendships. I mean, it was the, the, everything. It's just, yeah. it's amazing. So cool. Yeah, and it kind of brings back memories to me, too. And you're right, it's the relationships that you have is really the staying power of it all. And whether you had aspirations to do more or not, or you always have the relationships, and those connections kind of never go away. And Yeah. Well, is there anything you would do differently in your racing career? I probably would have started later. <laughs> because, and, and the two things, Danny Doyle said to um, when, uh, when I had him help me a little bit, he said, on the track, you have no friends. Mm-hmm. And you just got to race hard. And I never understood that race. Because, like, when Jennifer Getty, she was a competitor. I would race against her. And then when I remember finishing second, she won a race. And I was there. And I just, I wasn't going to pass her. I was going to run block her because I wanted to see her win. Mm-hmm. You know? And I was like, that's not a race car guy. <laughs> like, you can't let other people win. But it was like, uh, I tell you who was most impressive was Nick Pilot. When he raced there, I would see him go into gaps and holes and just open things up. And I was like, well, that's easy. I'll just do that. I could never figure out how to do that. (laughs) It's not as easy as it looks. No, it's totally hard. Multitasking, all the stuff that's happening with you. It's just, it's, that's such, (laughs) such a, I'd get out like I was at a sauna. It's because it's so stressful and you sweat like a hog, man. (laughs) Well, speaking of the stress of it all, and I always wanted to ask drivers this, and, and I'm glad you reminded me of it. Do you, like, remember the race when you get out and, like, remember, oh, I remember this lap, this happened, and I should have done this? Or can you actually unpack that, or is it just a big blur for you? It's a big blur. and Thanks. so I'm not the only one. No, no. And so, like, at the race, like, I'd hit people. I totally would make mistakes, but people would yell at me, and I, I just said, you know what? I'm never going to yell. I'm going to get out of my car, because Carl was there filming the races. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I would always look at the race videos see what I did wrong, apologize to people I had to apologize to, or say, oh, payback's coming. <laughs> but not that week. I'll wait till my moment. But, but right. like, yeah. yeah, I'll just wait for those times. Yeah, makes sense. But yeah, I, I'm glad I'm not the only one because yeah. was, I get out and like, Eddie'd be like, well, in lap six, you had that gap where you should have you pinched all of it. I'm like, dude, I don't remember any of this. Like, no. I thought it was just all my concussions. So Hang, I'm glad it's not I'm just, just me. hanging on for <laughs> all right. this work. Exactly. It's like a bunch of angry bees out there. What are you supposed to do? Just kind of hang on for dear life. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, man. Well, like, and I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um, so there's a big fog for me. Um, well, the next part of our time together is. A fan favorite part. Of course, it's wiener time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so wiener time is brought to you by Yates Auto Body on Route 14 in North Montpelier, Vermont. From fender benders to custom paint. See our friend Donnie Yates at Yates Auto Body and tell him the Crunch Bunch sent you. Of course, this is, you know, sponsored by Collision. Because, yeah, that's my, yeah, well, that's my story. Yeah, well, that's wiener time, man. So anybody that knows Street Stocks at Thunder Road knows William Henneklin, but knows him much better as wiener. Uh, he's obviously, Troy would agree, one of the most exciting and um, uh, anger-filled and scratch-your-head drivers we've ever been around. So, Mr. Kingsbury, what's your favorite wiener Hennequin story? So, I, I go from Warriors. I, I, I knew about Wiener. Of course. But the my lore. first experience with Wiener was I jump up to the street stocks. I'm like, all right, I've got a little, got, got a little confidence. going to do well. Our first race, he gets up and somehow... He comes down on me, and he thinks I spun him, um, but we, we we get connected a little bit, and it was something for her to race, and so then, like, he spins out, 
And I'm still racing, but I'm like mid-pack guy. But he was coming. And so the rest of that race, after Wiener spun and I was involved with him, I was petrified. The entire race I'm racing, just looking for his car coming up. <laughs> and uh, um, I think I did, that's like one of my best races early on because I was so driven to jet away from him and not even get next to him. So um, after the pits, he came in and we had a discussion. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I survived the wiener. Um, but that's like... It seems like the good parts of discussion. What the hell did you guys... Do you remember this discussion? Well, he just came up and was like, Whoa, what do you do? You do like you got into me. And I was like, Dude, you chopped me. You came down on me. You thought I was not there and you came down and, and then you spun. And but he was so mad. He was just, you know, it's, it's weird. You can't really even understand what he's talking about. You just hear the, you know, little bits here and there. But it, it, he ended up being fantastic. I mean, he would come over and help me work on my car because I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, he. Man, I tell you what, anybody who has got that much commitment to racing, it's impressive because, like, yeah. he's a racer. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's but I just remember how petrified I was. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> the worst thing you can have is an angry wiener. <laughs> oh my God. Chasing you, too. Yeah. Man, I know how my wife feels. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a good album name for your band you're going to come up with. Uh, Chased by the Angry Wiener. It's an awesome. Album. I don't know. Whatever your band you're coming together with in your head, but yeah. um, <laughs> well, I always like to end uh, all these conversations with gratitude. I don't think you know we're not humane enough to each other in general as a society slash species, and so I really like to to finish with you know people people you'd like to thank for your racing career. Yeah. Oh, so first of all, it's my wife. Yeah. I mean, she put up with a lot. Um, but you know, I'm just so uh, fortunate uh, to family members like my cousin Tony Andrews, uh, who's helped me with a lot of uh, knowledge of the sport. Phil DeMario, who helped early on with building a, my car. Uh, I'm so lucky that we raced during the the time of Ken Squire and Tom mm. Curley. Mm. I just remember Tom Curley and just that whole presence that he had uh, in like. Tina Gallison and Darla Hart and like everybody that was there in the stands uh, and like with the with the people and Aaron Maynard up in the in the tower and Michael Streisberg and you know Sonny who's our tech guy mm -hmm. I mean those people just made that Thunder Road experience just amazing um, I'd also like to thank like Hillary Scott and and Logan Cook and the people and Alex Whitcomb who did her first video. Everybody who helped do in that race to read part because the race to read was as big to me as racing was, you know, if, if not more. I mean, the fact that that program is still going and 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 now our program has expanded. We got Chris Mashad's wife Heather Mashad who's on our board. Hillary Scott. Um, Ashley Morrison, uh, Christine Blanchard. I mean, these are people really involved with their community and also with Thunder Road. I just feel really comfortable. Like, we're going to get another 10 years out of this program easily. Yeah, you know? and have Hillary coming back on after yeah. going over to New Hampshire Motor Speedways, kind of Speedway Charities, which is a really big deal. It totally like, it's a NASCAR is. section, so she she's over there doing great work there. And then to come back uh, we're to the so Green lucky. Mountain State and be able to come back to Race to Read, like... During her tenure, I mean, it just took off, and so I'm so glad, like, in this 10th year that, 
you know, she's going to find another gear for this thing. Um, oh, absolutely. And it's so exciting to have her back. But also the drivers. I mean, we got sure. Cameron Olette. We got Kyle Streeter. We have you. You. I mean, I'm hoping you're back into it, too. Yeah. Uh, we have the Landfair girls. Uh, Marcel Gravel, Kelsey Woodard. Her dad, Jason Woodard, and Brooks Clark helped me really early on at the local Valley schools that were here. And then right now we have Juan Marshall, who's mm-hmm. uh, who's been carrying our banner. Flying so. Paco. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. He's so good with kids. You know, He's when you start awesome. talking to him, he'll he'll get down on a knee and talk at their level. Mm-hmm. And that is so important because they, they look into their eyes and it's just it's a really good connection. So, like, just this whole thing is awesome. Yeah. And, and having our warrior car and me being able to be coming there part-time, like... I will absolutely be finding kids, and we will definitely be bringing big crates of books awesome. like we used to do and, and everything. So that's another reason. Like you said, the, that's one of the things that is as fulfilling as the racing. And so win or lose, like we show up with books and sign autographs for kids, and they read more books. Like That's the win. Yeah. And the win for us is like I'm 52, and another 30 years when I'm 82, those kids will be like in their 30s and 40s. They're going to read the care instructions of how to take care of us in our senior center. Oh, wonderful. That's going to be important. <laughs> it totally is. Yeah, we need, we're going to need that uh, that elderly care. Yeah. For sure. Uh, well, anybody else you'd like to thank? So, you know, you got family and friends and people that have been there. But what about sponsors and other yeah. plugs and things? That help yeah. You, you know, McKenzie Natural Casing Hot Dogs, Those uh, the whole McKenzie line, those guys really kind of help me out um it's the customers that visited the vg mm-hmm. uh, the vg was the big sponsor um and then um we had some businesses that actually aren't here anymore so those guys of uh, like blue flame or um suburban propane they've kind of mm-hmm. transitioned away uh, bisbee's northfield savings bank you know those guys were there on board but i mean the biggest the biggest thing was my wife i mean uh all, as you know all the hours in the shop um, near the end of my racing, what was really frustrating is I didn't put the time in. And so you get to the track, you'd have a bro- broken alternator bracket, and then your car wouldn't work. And you'd be like, I drove all the way up here and wasted the whole afternoon for nothing. Hmm. So uh, being able to do all those times, my wife sacrificed a lot. <laughs> Again, uh, we have a son with spina bifida, and my daughter has Williams syndrome. So it's not like a typical kid you just go do stuff with. You know, they're, they're a lot of... Uh, a lot of entertainment for us parents because you got to put a lot of time into your kids. Well, having uh, supportive partners is the cornerstone of being able to do this right, or oh, do it absolutely. well, or to enjoy it right. Yeah. So, so I totally get that for sure as a as a family man myself. Um, I guess that brings us to the end. Is there anything else you want to plug or talk about? You got going on in your life? Oh yeah, so cornhole tournament. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you read, I hope you listen to this podcast soon uh, because Saturday, May 28th, 802 Cornhole is going to have two divisions at Thunder Road for the Memorial Day Classic. And uh, there's 64 teams per division, and there's going to be cash prizes. Uh, people are going to be uh, able to sign up for $60 a team of two people. And it's a big fundraiser for our Race to Read program. So, um, as you know, Race to Read does cost a little bit of money just to hire people to run their booth and to maybe pay drivers when they go to school visits and stuff like that. So we're just trying to raise a little bit of money, uh, building our community at Thunder Road with a little cornhole from 802 Cornholes. And if people would like to get more information or sign up, uh, they can visit by uh, vtcornhole802 at gmail.com. That's awesome, um, and I know the last time, the last times that they've done that, like under the lights during the milk bowl and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. There's just a ton of people. Yeah. Um, 
And so that's it's a really cool event. I've been a part of it. Obviously didn't win. <laughs> no, not, well, not, so they're going to have two divisions. They're going to have the pro division and the yeah. amateur division. And the other thing is you BYOB, but just make sure they're cans. They don't want to have any glass in the yeah. pits or in the uh, infield. In infield, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So you heard it here. So sign up for that. Uh, support Race to Read. Reach out and try to find ways. You can support Race to Read and other programs that support your track, but also support your community and especially children. So I think that ticks all the boxes uh, for things that really people should care about yeah. and uh, ways to support them. So thank you so much again, uh, Green Lantern. I didn't know where your nickname <laughs> came from. Mike Strasberg gave yeah, it to you? Like, that's so not. cool because usually the announcers give it to you or like... You think it's a Moody well, or Curly or Maynard, but it ends up being a Strasburg thing. That's pretty cool. Well, he was in the in the booth that night mm-hmm. uh, up there. I just remember that. So it was uh, it was. I just remember scratching my head. But Al, thank you. I mean, you've done a lot for Race to Read, and and you're just doing this podcast. So you know, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. And like I said, um, of all the podcasts we've actually reached out and done with folks, like. There was a lot of clamoring, especially in last the last few weeks, knowing that racing season's coming up. Your name is still in people's heads. They oh, want to hear from you. They want to hear about you. Um, and the fact that it's the 10th anniversary of Race to Read, it's a slam dunk. So I'm so wow. grateful to you and uh, hosting us here at Village Grocery. Obviously the main sponsor, but also the main area of your life. But yeah. um, uh, you know, owning a small business isn't easy. And, uh, and carving out the time to be able to sit with me. Um, at work, in your office even. Uh, I appreciate it a thousand percent. So thanks so much. So there you have it, folks. Another episode of The Crunch Bunch. I want to thank, again, Troy Kingsbury for being my guest. I wish you the best of luck in everything you do. And when I say everything, it's clearly everything (laughs) that you do. Uh, And I hope hope you uh, and your family remain happy and healthy. And you you find those ways to maybe get out west and and travel or do things that make you happy. Got to work on the obit picks. The obit picks. Get that file going, everybody. Awesome. Well, this has been the Crunch Bunch Podcast, an Uncommon Media production. Be sure to follow, like, and share Uncommon Deeds podcasts on all social media platforms. And let us know how we're doing and what we should do uh, and who who we should talk to next. So, lastly, be sure to check out our friends at Goss Dodge and Gates Auto Body and Village Grocery, of course. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Stay awesome and see you at the track. (laughs) 